let me start by sharing a little story um, from, from on, on my part. I remember like it was yesterday when we uh, went to choose our dearly beloved Agape, our dog. And, and he became a significant part of our family. And, uh, and he lived out his name. Agape means love. It was a time that I remember that day. It was a, it was a time uh, when you didn't need to take out a second uh, home mortgage to, to buy a pet. Mm. Um, unlike you, I hear. I know. Joe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, and we, uh, the whole family, uh, together, we went on this, this mission to choose our our, our puppy, in order to um, in order to get this this dog called Agape, there were quite a few pups in in the litter, and and when we when we went into the house, um, the girls just just gave a, a little bit of an invitation, and one little puppy came running over, and he just lapped up the attention uh, that the girls gave him. So I'm not sure. Who chose who? <laughs> but there was a mutuality of instantaneous um, love that was sealed with a commitment to have and to hold from that day forward. He just loved being around people. And uh, you can see uh, by the look on his face how, how, uh, how he just loved being around people. Um, and when he was near you, he had to have a part of his body touching you, you know. So even if he was sitting at your feet, one, one foot would have to be on your foot. Mm. And if you moved your foot away, he, he, would, he would wake up and, and, and put, that, put his foot back on yours here, just to be in close contact with you. But there was a time, there were times when he would act completely out of character. And, and whenever a storm was coming or if there were fireworks that, that were happening, he, the anxiety that would build up uh, inside him would get to a stress level where he would just take off. And uh, I saw him one, uh, you know, we couldn't understand how he got out of the yard because we had high fence all around. Mm. But I saw him this day when, when the storm was approaching and he, you know, he was, he was in a lather of sweat and he just took up took off over that fence like it was, it was this high. And this was a you know, full, full um, boundary fence. And, and he would just run and run and run. And there were times in which we would get a phone call a day or so later, you know, where he was, he, he was three or four k's away. Oh, wow. And um, you can imagine the, um, the concern that was there for us as family, um, the sense of loss that we'd feel, um, each time uh, that would take, that take place. Um, but it was so good to sort of get him back again, you know, when that phone call came and they said, oh, we, we found your, your dog. He was just at our front door um, looking forlorn and, uh, and we've taken it, we took him in and we gave him a bath and <laughs> gave him a blow dry and he was <laughs> like in the lap of luxury. And... Uh, uh, but, but, but even so, you know, it was so good to, to have him um, mm. back home again. And it, and, it, and it left me with a thought that obedience doesn't determine ownership. No. <laughs> mm. 
even not proximity. Because mm, you were there sometimes when it happened. Yeah, yeah. But being chosen with an ongoing commitment of unfailing love and, and faithfulness, that's what determines secure attachment of belonging. Mm. And uh, interesting that, uh, you know, Agape's legacy lives on. We, we lost him a, a couple of years back, not from running away, but, yeah. but um, he, he um, from his ageing and, and, and dying. And we still miss him, but um, his legacy lives on because our, both our daughters have golden retrievers um, in their own respective families now. Um, so the, the love that he shared with us um, is something that we really uh, wanted to keep going um, ourselves in family. Interesting that, um, you know, that, that chosenness uh, is something that Paul is really big on there in mm. Ephesians. Mm. And um, he says that, you know, he himself was, uh, was chosen by God uh, to be an apostle. Which is ironic. Yeah. Mm. Be, uh, you know, you think, of, you look at his past mm. and, um, and his um, disparity to, to uh, you know, what Jesus came to, to, to give of love and acceptance. Mm. And his, He'd be the last one you'd think that you, would get you, picked. You really would. Mm. Um, but here's Paul saying, uh, he was chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Jesus Christ. Um, what a calling that he had. And it was, a, it was a, a sense of calling that wasn't there for him with his arm twisted up behind his back. You know, he, he came to see once he was blind, blind. You know, we know the story of, of Paul where he was just blinded by that light. And he came to see um, the, dis, the, the disparateness of, of the way that he was um, approaching life and approaching his, his, um, his journey with God to, to the way Jesus operated. And he, he uh, accepted Jesus as Lord of his life. And so while he says he was chosen by God, he also accepted that, that sense of calling that, that Jesus had on his life. And he became an incredible apostle. And, and there's an interesting um, connection that Paul has with this Ephesian church that we're going to focus on over these next weeks, where Paul sees the Ephesian um, church family as part of his own family because he'd, he'd invested time in, into, into that church. He'd spent some three years there in ministry. And, uh, and interesting that on his way back through, uh, he'd, he'd been over on the... Um, in, in, in Greece, and on his way back, uh, he was heading back to Jerusalem. And he, he, while he didn't have time to call on the church as a whole, he, he called the elders together with him. And he spent some time with them, uh, just talking to them and encouraging them in, in their witness to their, their faith for God. But in, um, in Acts chapter uh, 20, it talks of this uh, conversation that Paul had with these, um, these elders. And he says um, in, in verses 22 to 24, he says, and now I'm bound by the spirit to go to Jerusalem. I don't know what awaits me, except that the Holy Spirit tells me in city after, uh, after city, the jail and suffering lie ahead. But this is what he says, but my life 
but my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it in finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus. The work of telling others the good news. We'll talk a little bit more will, about that. About the wonderful grace of God. And that's something we'll describe a little bit more as well. And, and Paul actually tells the, um, the, these elders that they won't be seeing him again. Um, he will be, he'll, will be dying in the process of this mission. Um, but that to, to be faithful. And he, he, he himself can't stop um, being faithful as well to that calling. Uh, so incredible commitment that comes out of, mm. out of that sense of being chosen yeah. uh, by God. Yeah. Mm. And, and, and Paul um, sees that as an illustration of the, of the calling of all of us. And he says um, in Ephesians 1 and verse 4, he says, even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault mm. in his eyes. Mm. Now, it's not that yeah. we're holy in no. and of ourselves. No. You know, I know some things about you and you, you, probably, you know some things about me. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not that, but it's that we, in, in Christ, yeah. we're holy. Yeah. And, and, and we're called, chosen by him to be without fault in his eyes. It's incredible. You know, it that's is, that's the incredible. grace of God yeah. at work. Yeah. yeah. I, um, I know that sometimes we were talking about earlier, sometimes when we have students that want to start doing baptismal studies, and this take note anybody out there who's thinking about this, sometimes they've had a chat and they've said at the start, I don't know if I'm quite ready to be baptized because I don't feel like I know enough or I'm mm. good enough. Mm. But what Paul was writing about with God, it's not talking about that. It's, no. it's, uh, we're all chosen. It's not about how much you know or how good you are. Yeah. It's, it's the fact, well, you're just, you're just choosing to choose God just as he chose us first. Mm. It's about who God is mm. and how he has chosen you mm. and me yeah. and you um, to be his sons and daughters. Um, Paul says that we're adopted into his family through Jesus Christ. And it's something he wanted to do and it gave him great pleasure in doing it. Yeah. I mean, even through the, you know, the pain that we're going to talk of that Jesus went through on mm. our behalf, it's something that he just so wanted to do. He, he was willing to invest himself mm. uh, to that degree in the process. Yeah, yeah. Something else that I, I, I gained from having agape as part of our family was the realisation that it's the level of the investment of time and energy that is directly proportional to the strength of the relationship. Mm. Isn't that interesting? It is. So it's the level of the time and the energy that we put into a relationship. You know, the more time, the more energy you put into a relationship, mm. the, 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 the tighter the bonds of that relationship. Yeah. And you think about that in terms of God's investment of time and energy mm. and what the, the extensiveness of that yeah. is just mind-blowing, isn't it? Well, he says before he made the world. So you sort of think before he made the world, well, that's a massive investment in time. So yeah. he created the world knowing what would happen. 
knowing that he would create us as individuals and yeah. knowing that he would have to send a son and he did it anyway. Yeah. And he chose, he chose us and that's a huge investment. Yeah. And even before he made the world, you know, that, that's, we were mm. on his mind. Yeah. Um, so there's, there's time, mm. <laughs> an extensive amount of time that God's invested into that process. Yeah. Oh. So that's, uh, you know, that's a taste of the sense of chosenness that mm. we have in God. Mm. Tell us a little bit about the grace of God, the richness of the his richness grace. The richness of his grace. Yeah. Um, well, to do that, I want to um, tell you a story. If I could grab the, oh, um, there you go. There we go. I'm going to tell you a story. It's it's a parable, so it's not a true story, um, but it's something that can help us to understand a bit what grace actually is. Mm -hmm. And once upon a time, there was a. Is that coming up? There we go. Once upon a time, there was a lush valley full of flowers and fruit trees. And farms and houses were speckled throughout the valley as the land was rich and fertile. A river had flowed through the plain, and that river brought life as it wound its way through the valley. One day, however, for a reason unknown, the river water became bitter and polluted. It was no longer good for drinking, and not even the plants could get anything beneficial out of it. And as the weeks passed by, the plants withered and died from a lack of clean water. Well, unable to grow crops, most of the farmers who inhabited the valley, they sold what they could and they moved away. And the land grew drier and drier and eventually got to the point that even the rain clouds did not pass through. And the once green valley had become a barren desert. After a while, only one family remained on their plot of land. And the family consisted of a father, a mother, and three children. And life was very, very hard for them. They were doing it by themselves with no one else around, and they struggled to survive the harsh climate. The father and mother had to work long hours during the day just to feed themselves and their family. And they remembered the old days the good old days, when the valley was lush and full of flowers and fruit trees. And one night, the father gazing towards his sleeping children and his wife, he desired a better life for them. He loved them so much, he was willing to give up anything so they could have an abundant life. Mm -hmm. And after months of reading and studying and planning, the father drew up plans for a machine that would put things as it should. And he and his wife worked all day to bring in the food for the children, and they spent most of the night working on the machine. And they went out without proper sleep each day, and they struggled every day in not only trying to provide the needs their children had each day, but in trying to supply the future needs of their children. The machine cost them everything they had, their money, their sleep, their time, and their health. But the day finally came when it was completed. They lowered the machine down next to the polluted river and dropped big hoses down into the dirty water. Barely able to stand 
because his health had deteriorated so much from the late nights, from the lack of proper health, the father turned on the machine and it made an enormous sucking sound and then it simply hummed. The father collapsed next to the machine as his family rushed to him and they tried to alleviate his pain. The mother, barely able to stand herself because of going through the same conditions, pointed toward the river and cried, Look, everyone at the river. And as all eyes turned, everyone gasped as they could see the polluted water being sucked up into the machine, while the machine in turn shot out clean, drinkable water. They watched as the river changed color, slowly, the dark brown muck being changed into clear, refreshing water. And the father smiled along with the mother, and he said, Now everyone can have a new start. And with that, the father fell asleep, and he died. The family grieved the loss of their father as they took care of their mother, who was quite ill from going through significant loss herself and, and poor health. But to their amazement, the machine continued to work and change the water. And within a week, green shoots began to appear next to the river. And as the months passed by, a green corridor began to form. And it took time for the mother to regain some of her strength, but as she did, she dedicated her time to maintain the machine for the sake of all who were in the valley. Animals began to return to the valley, and over time it became lush and filled with flowers and fruit trees once again. And the people returned thankful, and everyone could freely enjoy the clean, pure water thanks to the love and the wisdom of the father and mother who gave up all that they had. So here's a question for all of us to think about. The clean water was given freely to everyone who is in the valley. But does that mean that the water, because it was free and anyone could get it, does that mean that the water was without a cost? I'd say that just like what Jesus has done for us, we might be freely given the gift of grace, the gift of salvation, the gift of heaven. But there was a, a cost. There was the life of Jesus. Just like in this story I told, there was the father gave up his life. Mm -hmm. And the mom gave up her health so that their family and anybody else in the valley could have clean water, plants to grow, income to have. They all gave it up. So the gift, though it was a free gift to those who received it, mm -hmm. it had a, a cost to it. And I, I don't think they would have eaten the fruits and just thought, this is great, and just not even thought about things. But every fruit they would have eaten, I would, have, I would think that they would think about the, the sacrifice. Yeah. So it was free, but not cheap. It was free, but not cheap. Mm. It's sort of, it's a very close analogy to what grace is, mm. isn't it? It is. Free, but not cheap. Yeah. Uh, and so, sometimes um, 
It doesn't happen here, thankfully. But there's other churches sometimes where some people don't aren't very happy if the pastor talks about love too much. And they say, you talk about grace too much. You have to talk about the, the, the works or, or all these other things. Um, and they think of love as if it was a cheap thing, as if, if we tell people about love too much, it means that they'll just take everything to, for granted. Mm. But that's not really true with grace. No. So recognizing the, the incredible cost mm. that was there. So tell us about that in terms of Ephesians 2, Joe. Um, yeah. It, what's, what's Paul describing for us there in terms of that grace that's there for us? Well, Paul describes, he, he starts out by talking about the fact that um, in this chapter, he talks a lot about the Ephesians as Gentiles and then the Jews. Mm. And there's a, it's hard for us to understand 2,000 years later, different culture and everything. But I guess it's important for us to understand at that point, at these points in time, the Jewish people, they saw themselves as it was Abraham's line and those who, those who, were, who were Jews who were God's people and everybody else, they basically were lost. That was the sentiment. Mm. Um, that was the sentiment not only of the Jews towards everyone else, but it was also the sentiment everyone else sort of felt. There was this sense of hopelessness. Mm. So um, I'm, I'm chosen, mm. I'm important, but yeah. shame about you. Yes, yeah. yes. And, and, it, and, and Paul talks about um, how hopeless specifically the Ephesians were, but he's also talking about everyone in the mm. big picture how hopeless the situation was before Christ, how hopeless, how um, people were outside of salvation, and there was absolutely no hope for them whatsoever. But because of what Christ did, Herod had a temple that he had built. It was the second temple after Solomon's temple, and, and he had, there was actually this wall that separated the Gentiles who wanted to come in and worship God and the Jews. Hmm. And so Paul writes about the fact that what Jesus did was essentially he knocked down that wall of separation wow. that would separate those who were on the outside, those who, who were not Abraham's children, hmm. and those who were being one people. And he, he talks about the fact that God loved us so much that even though that we were dead in sin, so even though there was no hope whatsoever, he gave us life by raising Jesus from the dead. And, and uh, this, is a, this specifically is something that I want to read, if I can read that far. Um, it says, but God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, when we were dead in our could you put that on one of the screens over here? I have a different version of my Bible. Or, or, <laughs> do, you want, do you want me to share it? Um, I can share it. It's a, different, it's a different version to what is in my... What version do you have? Well, mine's um, NLT. Yeah, you read that. That's the okay. same version. But God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much that even though we were dead in our transgressions and sins, um, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. Mm. 
And in brackets it says, it's only by God's grace that you've yes. been saved. Yes. Yeah. We, we, we basically, and it's amazing that, oh, there we go. It's amazing that he uses the language that Jesus, we all know Jesus died. We all know that Jesus was raised. He was resurrected. But Paul writes that we actually, though we were dead, we, when Jesus resurrected, it was, it was as though the rest of us also resurrected with him. Mm. If we are in Christ, if yeah. we're united in Christ. We're going to talk a little bit more about that we shortly, are. but that being united in Christ. And so it's like we're already in heaven. It is, yeah. in a sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, it, it goes on to say, um, for he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms. Which is... Because we're united with Christ. Yeah, seated with Christ. And, yeah. and, and like Jesus is the king, and for someone to sit with the king, that has an implication mm. that we're actually part of the king's family. Yeah. And I love this. So God can point to us in all future examples, in yes. all future ages as examples of the yeah. incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us. Yeah. Well, often people think that, um, well, at least some people might think, and I know that I've thought this sometimes, sometimes we think as Christians, oh, people need to look at us as um, as we are a special people because we're doing how, so well. How we're, good we are. How great we are. We're going to go to heaven because we're Christians and because of how great we are. But Paul actually writes, we're actually examples okay. to other people of, of the fact that we were so, we were actually hopeless. We were completely hopeless. Yeah. But because of Jesus and because of the grace of Jesus, we're able to go to heaven. So, so. we're examples of, of recognizing how great God is. Yeah. This is the whole idea is if, if I can do it, you can do it. That's yeah. the kind of example we are. Yeah. Not an example of they're the best, but the example of if they can do it, trust me, you can also do it as well. And so it's, it says, verse 8, God saved you by his grace when you believed, and mm. you can't take credit for this. No. It's a gift of God. It is a gift. Salvation's not a reward for the good things we've done. No. So no. none of us can boast about it. No. Yeah. In the story, the father actually gave that gift creating that machine because he loved his family, mm. not because his family was good enough. Just like um, you loved Agape, regardless of whether or not he jumped the fence and ran off. Yeah. It was you, it, uh, a love, and for my kids at, at home, um, and, uh, even though they make mistakes and even though they frustrate us at times and they do things at times, the things that they do are not the, is not what, causes me to love them. It's the mm. fact that they are my kids yeah. and I choose to your, love them regardless. They're your family. They're my family. Yeah. And just like in chapter one, it, it talks about we're adopted into his family, mm. we've been purchased by his, his blood. Um, we are family members with Christ and, and God loves us even though we are going to mess up, mm. and even though we have messed up and we will mess up in the future. You know, Joe, the, these verses, to me, they're the... They're the essence mm. of, of, of the whole Christian ethos. They are. It's, yeah. the, um, it's in a nutshell, you know, it's, a, it's a, of, of the whole story of salvation. And, and, and I know that um, Kendall was very excited that we're doing Ephesians. <laughs> and I was going to do chapter two. 
and um, we wanted to do it together. Part of the reason why I think Kendall wanted to do it together is that chapter two is one of his favorite parts of the whole Bible. Mm. And it's because I think, as you said, it's, it's sort of the essence, yeah. really, of, um, uh, of the fact that we, uh, we have salvation if we want it. And it not, has nothing to do with how good we are, has nothing to do with following the rules, we, sure, we try to follow the rules, but we do that as a response, mm. as, as a show of gratitude, not as a, as a way. Um, it, it, sa it says in chapter 2, salvation is not a reward for the good things that we've done. So none of us can boast about it. Um, it's just simply that it's, it's something that we might do as a response. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I love that verse 10 where he says that we are God's masterpiece. Mm. He's created us anew in Christ Jesus yeah. so that we can do the good things he planned for us from long ago. Yeah. And when an artist creates a masterpiece, they, they're proud of it. They boast about it. Mm. And, and he, even though we're, we're messed up individuals, he sees us as his masterpiece. He sees us as, as his kids. So it's like we're a masterpiece in the making, mm. isn't it? You know, it because is. Because the work's in progress. It is. It is. <laughs> yeah, very much so. He can see what we're going to become. Yeah. When Jesus returns, we're truly going to be the masterpiece that he designed. But he can see that now before we're there. Mm. So that's the richness of, of, of the mm. grace of God. And um, back in chapter 1... Um, Joe, it, it talks about the in superlatives, mm. the incredible superlatives, the, the, the untold richness of this grace of God. You know, he's, he showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and under, understanding. You know, it's, it's just this, this um, incredibly full, replete um, giving of God of, of the richness of, of his grace and mm. kindness um, towards us. There's, there's one other word that I just want us to focus on as well. We need to, yeah. That Paul, um, he starts off in, I think it's in verse 2, where he says, I wish you grace, God's grace and peace. Mm. And, and you sort of wonder, well, okay, grace, understand, but what's the peace that he's talking about here? You know, you talking think, about quietness. You think of peace, you know, and you think, oh, you know, that's a... That's a a restful state, you know. Some of us are at home in a fairly peaceful in environment. Yeah. Um, Some of us are homeschooling. <laughs> others might be pulling their hair. But you, you think of, you know, being in a lovely tranquil place, you're looking out on a sunset, and there, oh, there's that sense of peace. Mm. But what Paul is talking about in terms of peace is a word that, that he would reflect back to from his Jewish origins. And that is the word shalom. Mm. And, and shalom is, is far more than that. It's far mm. more than a stress-free day or a, a day without COVID. You know, um, it's, it's, it's inter in internal, not external. It, it's internal. And, and, and shalom for the Jewish mindset is to be wholly, wholly unified with God and with each other. Mm. So you think of it in terms of that and it's so much more. And, and so it was important um, to be unified with God uh, and, and others. It was more important for that than to be right, mm. you know. Yeah. And so um, you, are, you are more important than my view. Yes. And, and if we could keep that perspective in mind in terms of 
uh, sometimes the arguments <laughs> that we had, yeah. not talking, looking at you personally, but in terms of, um, in terms of how we re relate to, to those around us, yeah. you yeah. are more important than my view. Mm. Um, to be unified with God and each other. That, that was actually the prayer of Jesus. The yeah. longest prayer he prayed was actually a, that mm. the disciples mm. and, and his people would be unified. Yeah. So we've talked a little bit about the, the mystery of God. Mm. Um, what, what's, yeah, that that it, comes it, out in chapter it, one. It does but, come out in chapter one. But also um, chapter two. Yeah, and I, I find it a bit funny, and I think it's because we have the advantage of looking back 2,000 years, mm. and we understand these things. But Paul writes, uh, he, he sort of, he's really pouring things on that he's going to reveal something. He's, saying, he's, he's talking about, um, I'm, I'm here to proclaim the mystery, the mysterious plan of God, the secret mm. plan of God that no one knows about and all this stuff. And then he, 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 he talks about, he says, and this is the plan. And, and he basically talks about the fact that um, the, the mysterious secret plan is that God's not wanting just the Jews to be with him. That the, it's actually for everyone. And to, for me reading it in the year 2021, I'm just sort of like, that's not a, that's not, but I have to remember for, for the people at the time, yeah. the Jews reading it, they'd be like, what? What do you mean? It was supposed, it's supposed to be all about those of us who are God's people. Mm. But it was God's secret plan the whole time. He, when he gave the, the blessing to Abraham, he said that I'd, through you, the whole world will be blessed. Mm. So, so Ephesians 2 also focuses quite a bit on, on yeah. that. The, the, the sense word of, unity. The sense of un, unity. And, and mm. again and again, and we've mentioned this, mm. because we are united with Christ, da-da-da, mm. um, you know, and, yeah. and so because of that, we have this, this unity with our mm. fellow human beings. And so the... While initially, you know, the Jews were to be the, the um, I guess, chosen. the lamp, the, the light mm. um, of, of, of that chosenness, yeah. Yeah. Um, it, was, it was always intentioned that they would be a light to the nations. <laughs> they were supposed to be the examples where if they can make it, you can make it. Yeah. But they turned it into, yeah. so, we're, we're the so, ones. So chosenness mm. isn't without mission. No. And purpose. Yeah. And, and when, we, when we step back from, from mission and purpose and just think of it as chosen, uh, that's when we enter a, a realm that, that God has, that doesn't want us to. Mm. It's, um, it's, not, um, it's, it's not to be up on a pedestal, you know, in, no. our, in our own little world. Mm. It's to, to be that light to those around us. And we forget that sometimes. Yeah. So in, in Ephesians 2, yeah, he talks about this um, Jew and Gentile mm. being all part of this plan of yeah. salvation. And that, um, you two groups become one group. You and me together, we. Yeah, 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 yeah. which is, says we're now united under Christ, brought near by the blood of Jesus. Mm. Um, it sort of brings to mind Paul's other st statement. I think it's in Galatians where he talks about there's neither Jew nor Greek. Yeah. Male nor female, slave nor free, we're all one in mm. Christ, you know. And, and he paints that incredible picture of, the, of a temple mm. where Jesus is that 
is the this this uh, corner piece. Yeah. And and that we're all the, the building blocks yeah. of that temple. Yeah. All part of the a unity of of um, of um, community. Mm. Yeah. Does does unity mean uniformity? Because this is a especially in Adventist circles, this seems to be this confusion. Yeah, well, and this this sort of brings home comes home to us here at Springwood a little bit, doesn't it? Mm, it does. Because here we are, you know, an incredibly diverse group. You know, we have a, a front church, we have a an LDC, we have um, numerous, you know, different groupings of, of people um, that tend to be a little bit age associated. They um, can be. A little bit generation associated. Yeah. Um, so does that mean, you know, we just pull it all together, we all come under the one roof and, mm. and we... Forget, we have to be the same. Forget those differences, yeah, and, and just be uniform, yeah. all uniform yeah. together. What's, yeah. your, what's well, your thoughts? Uh, when Paul says in, in uh, not Paul, but when it's said in Acts chapter 2 that um, they were all of one accord, mm. that does not mean, and we talk, I, I talked about this a couple of weeks ago, um, that doesn't mean that they all had the same opinion. They weren't all exactly the same. They weren't all uniform. Um, they would have had differences of opinion, but the, the big thing for them is that they, they all had the same mission. They all mm. had the same reason to actually, they had something that unified them. Mm. Sometimes you see this in, in movies or TV shows where you have these these two or three groups that are at each other's throats for the whole series, but then, it, then there's some big calamity that happens and they have to join forces. That's, that's what, we're sort of like that at church. We, we need to keep in mind that we can have different opinions, but we need to pull ourselves together so that we are actually being one with Christ and having the same mission. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And sometimes different generations have, have disputes. So tell us about that. I mean, you've, you've done quite a bit of research in terms of the intergenerational um, yeah, yeah. stuff. Um, you know, how do, how, does, how do our different generations, you know, how do we need to sort of respect each other? Yeah. How, do we, um, how do we operate uh, with our different ways of, of doing things? Yeah. Um, a lot of conflicts happen in churches between different generations. And sometimes people think it's because one generation has completely different values to another generation, but it's, it's not actually true. Um, the, the point of differences is that each generation grows up in a different world, really, mm. um, and that how they grow up actually forms not different values, but a different priority of values. Uh -huh. So you'll have different arguments in church, and sometimes you think it's because one group has this value and the other one has that value, but they actually both have the same value. For example, um, and, and I've heard of this happening, where you have a church and you have um, these old wooden pews that have been there for 80, 90 years, and um, the baby boomers, I know that you're a baby boomer, the baby boomers, one of their big values is functionality, being functional um, and looking good. Those are two big things for, for most baby boomers is looking at everything has to look great and it has to function well. And they came up and they, looking at these old pews, say, oh, we need to, we need to change these. We need to get chairs because uh, they don't really look the best. They hurt my back. But then the older generations 
um, their, their val one of their high values is form and, and they're also tradition. And they say, well, do you have any idea how long it would have made, it would have taken to make these pews? It would, a workman would have spent hours and hours, their blood, sweat, and tears making these, and they get quite defensive about it, and you have a conflict that takes place. And, and we, uh, we remember the fundraising that we had to do to buy those. Yes, <laughs> yes, then they remember the fundraising and all, and, uh, all that. And the thing is, it's not, and it's not that the younger generation doesn't like tradition and doesn't value form, and it's not that the older generation does not value function and does not value what looks good, it's that the priorities of those values are at different places. Mm. It's like with the younger generations, the younger gen, all generations um, think it's very important to be authentic. It's important to be real. But for the younger generations, they place that much higher on the list of values than some of us older generations where we might think, well, it's more important that we look good. We do need to be honest. That's very important, but looking good is, is more important. And so sometimes conflict happens, not because of different values, but a different placement of the values. And, and we need to realize as a church, when we're talking together, we don't, we're not all going to agree on things, um, but we actually have much more in common than we realize. And if mm. we can understand where we're all coming from, mm. we can be united, like what Paul writes about in Ephesians, how, how we are, are Christians. Yeah. We together, yeah. with, under Christ. So, so when you come back to sort of most significant things, yes, we all have different emphasis emphasis <laughs> <laughs> on different things. Um, just like you, you can pronounce emphasis in different ways. <laughs> but um, you, you think about it. You know, when you come back to to first things, you know, mm. the the priorities in mm. life. You know, that's where we can draw back and say, oh, you know, we're, we're all together. Yeah. Um, grace and peace, as mm. Paul talks about here, you know, that's, that's our priori stuff. Mm. And, 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 and we're in this together, you yeah. know. Um, we, we, we have accepted our chosenness in mm. Christ. Um, we've accepted our adoption into, into God's family. And, and together we want to... Share that in yes, in different ways, in different um, you know, in different forms, but but uh, together we are on that journey to um, yeah. to the kingdom. Yeah, mm. we are. Mm. Yeah. So I've got an illustration, and um, I'm going to invite um, some of our our audience, um, our minimal <laughs> the very, audience, the very few people who are here, <laughs> that is, the people that you've here. already seen on 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 the platform, and uh, so there's. There'll be four people. Come up with your masks on, please, because you won't be, you won't need to talk. And and I have these these ropes that are the potential for for connection. And I'm going to invite um, Carol to come uh, and uh, and represent our uh, a picture of God for us. And um, and and. Carol, you, so you, you're, you're the central point at which the rest of us um, will have this um, loose connection to. And so which colour would you like? Um, just excuse us. And if you can take, go out to the extent of your, your rope. 
We need to social distance after so, all. Social distance, that's it, that's it. And so, so here we are in, um, we're, we're, we're loosely connected to, to, to God and he's, he's, um, he's chosen us and so we've, we've accepted the sense that we're, we're chosen. Um, no movement yet, Regent. Um, uh, keep at the distance, yes, and let that rope sort of just gradually be drawn in. And, and so here we are, you know, we're at, at different places in life. We come from, from different generations even, um, Regent and... and um, they're the same. Caitlin <laughs> might be the same, but let's imagine them different. And, and, oh, oh, there you go. And Caitlin would normally also have uh, Lewis with her as well, and so he's part of that, she's part of that generation also. And here we have a baby buster, are you? Gen X. Gen X, okay, there you go. And, and, but we've all accepted Jesus as Lord of our life, and so there's uh, the connection that we have, our chosenness in, in, in Christ. Um, with, with uh, all of God. And, and God is wanting to draw us into himself, into themselves. And so, Carol, I'm going to invite you to yeah, move around in a circle and gradually, that's it, gradually. <laughs> there you go. And, and, and as, we, as we allow our, that attachment to God to be there, um, he gradually draws us into himself, themselves, and 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 the natural consequence of that is that we are then drawn in towards each other, and so that incredible sense of of peace, that shalom peace that we talked about, that unity that we have in Christ, is a natural consequence of us being drawn into that relationship with God, the investment of, of time and, um, and, um, time connection. and, and, and connection and uh, is, draws us in to, to, um, to God and to, to each other. And I think that as we at Springwood, um, friends, as, as we allow ourselves to be drawn in to that relationship with God, that he so desires for us, um, then the relationship with each other will, will, will naturally be there as well. And, and in so doing, we'll be so um, excited by what is taking place in terms of that relationship, that connectedness, that we'll want to, we'll want to be inviting others to that same sort of connection. Mm. You know, why wouldn't we want... Um, all of our friends and associates to be part of, of this type of incredible unity of community. Yeah.